This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Join with me, uh, turning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, let's see if we can't get some new light from an old window. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, Reading from verse 1. Now the Philistines had gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkoth, which belongs to Judah, and camped between Sukkoth and Azekinah and Ephesdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with the valley between them. And a champion went up out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. And the staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam. And the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall our servants be your servants and serve us. The Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Then Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, and they were dismayed, and they were greatly afraid. Let's just pause at that verse uh, for a few moments. Israel's army had never seen such a huge monster of a man as Goliath of Gath. Six cubits and a span. Enormous, depending on the length of a cubit, but most believe it was from the elbow, the cubitus, to the tip of the index finger, which is roughly about 18 inches, and a span, which is 9 or 10 inches. So altogether, Goliath was almost just a few inches short of 10 feet. They say the average sitting in our homes is eight feet. So if he was standing in your living room, his head would be in the bedroom or it would be in the attic. I mean, he was huge. And day after day, for 40 days, he stood there and he was covered in bronze from head to toe. He must have been some sight, standing in the morning and evening, blazing sun, and his great booming voice echoing around the mountains, defying Saul and the armies of Israel. And his voice intimidated them. 
It frightened the life out of them. It says in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. And so for 40 days, morning and evening, these armies stood facing one another with this great giant threatening and shouting, and Israel were paralyzed with fear. King Saul himself was a tall man. In fact, the Bible says he was head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. But even Saul was frightened of this giant. His son Jonathan was a fearless warrior. Not afraid to take on Philistines single-handedly many times. But even Jonathan was frightened to take on such a giant as this. And this Goliath wanted to make things personal. Send out a man to fight me. Just one will do. Anyone. Choose one out of all of your armies. And I'll take him on. But no one dared to take up the challenge. Not any man of the armies of Israel, not even the bravest of them, would dare to take up this challenge. Because had he had taken up and had he have fallen, uh, then Israel would have been servants to the Philistines. And so the future of the nation hung in the balance. And what was needed was a hero, a deliverer, somebody to fight this battle. And how could they find one at such a late hour? This had been going on for weeks and no one was prepared to fight. Surely all the fighting men that there was in Israel were in that valley that day. But out of the shadows comes a hero. No one in Israel saw this coming. None had an inkling when they saw David come to the battle that he would be the hero. Only God could have written this script. David was just too young to be in the army. But cometh the hour, cometh the man. Or in this case, Cometh the young man. I want us to continue reading just for a few moments. I know that you know the story well, but let's just familiarize ourselves with it again. We're reading from verse 12. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now that's a, a kind of an odd little uh, verse there, because it, you would need it to read prior to this story to find out that when David was much younger, 
Uh, whenever Saul felt distressed and troubled in spirit, uh, he would send for the son of Jesse to come and to play his harp. So even at a young, tender age, David was a very skilled musician, and that calmed the king in his spirit. And that would happen occasionally, once in a while. That'll make more sense a little bit later. And it says, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dry grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. I saw all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Now, you have to understand that the armies in those days were not like armies today. Uh, you know, when you think of the British army, the American army, uh, they would be enlisted men, they would be paid soldiers, that would be their full-time career, as it were. But the armies, those ancient days, were not really like that. Certainly the king would have a, a very, very small army. He would have his bodyguards. He would have some of the elite uh, fighting men, uh, but not a massive army. But then when the call came, when the nation was threatened or, or there was a battle that was going to ensue, then the call would go out from the king and people from all over, all men of fighting age, then they would come uh, to, and rally to the call of the king. Uh, but it was an agricultural land and, and obviously... Almost all of these men would be working on farms. And it mentions Jesse's three eldest sons. His three eldest boys would be the main farm workers. And remember now, this, is, this has gone over a period now roughly six weeks at least. So that's a long time to be away from your duties of the farm. And the father would be naturally concerned. And he would be concerned about their lives. Would they live? Would they die? Would they make it back? He would be concerned about the farm. Who's going to run it? Because there's other younger men, but not the experience of the older men. So he sends them some food, because in those days, <laughs> the king didn't feed you in the army. You had to feed yourself. And so the father would send David with some food for them and to see how they were, to see, is this battle working out? Are they still alive? Is everything going well? So David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. For the first time, David is hearing the threats and the taunts of Goliath. His brothers and all Israel and the army had been hearing this for days and weeks, morning and evening. Same words every time, same challenge, same threat. But David hears it for the first time. But how David hears it is different than how they heard it. He heard the same words, but he heard it differently than how they heard it. And Jesus said, take heed what you hear, but he says, take heed 
how you hear. How you hear oftentimes will determine what you're going to do about certain things. How somebody else hears it and how you hear it can be two different things. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. And so the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give him his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And even with that great triple reward, not one person stepped forward for the challenge. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? So here's the oldest brother speaking to the youngest brother in a very condescending manner. And you can almost be sure this had been a pattern in their lives because of how David replied. David says, what have I done now? What is it this time? You're always getting at me. What have I done? Is there not a cause? Do you not see that giant? Do you not hear what he's saying against the armies of the living God? Of course they heard it, but he heard it differently. What have I done? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then David, David took a staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. And so the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. 
And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. And so the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And so it was when the Philistine arose and came near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his, his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and close to the gates of Akron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharim, even as far as Gath and Akron. And then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor into his tent. And when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this youth, this young man is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, Abner took and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So he answered, I'm the son of your servant, Jethly, Jesse the Bethlehemite. The question is, well, why did he not recognize him? Probably because he's much older now, and he's taller, and he's probably got a beard like most of the men in Israel. So for whatever reason, he didn't recognize him. But all Israel would recognize him. And he would soon get to know who he is. So much in this story that I could tell you by way of encouragement and your struggles of life. I could tell you that no matter how big a giant you face, you can defeat him. I could tell you that it's the enemy of your soul that wants to intimidate you and make you feel that you cannot win this battle, that you're too small, that the battle's too big, that your enemy's too great. I could tell you that although everybody is afraid of this giant, but you needn't be afraid. Goliath can be defeated, and you can be the one to defeat him. 
I could tell you all that and more. But let me remind you of a bigger picture, of a better truth, of a greater battle. Let me remind you of another David, another deliverer, another Savior, David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ. By the time Jesus came into this world, there were many giants. And the greatest giant was the giant of sin and death. There were other giants, giants of bondage, giants of despair, giants of oppression, many giants. But the tallest and the biggest and the strongest was the giant of sin and death. And these giants were huge, and they dominated the landscape for thousands of years. And the giant of sin and death, no one could defeat him. He was the devil's champion. And just like Goliath was the undefeated champion of the Philistines, sin and death seemingly could not be defeated. No man could defeat this giant. And so we needed a hero. We needed a conqueror. We needed a warrior. We needed a savior. We needed someone to come out of the shadows and defeat the giant of sin and death. But where could he be found? Hmm. And just like David, he too was born in Bethlehem. And just as David was a shepherd boy, Jesus was a humble carpenter. He too would be the most unlikely hero. Hmm. Is not this the carpenter's son? You can hear them saying. How disparaging. How condescending. And as David strode onto the battlefield that day and his brothers mocked him, and Jesus strode onto the battlefield of this life and even his own brothers derided him. Even his own kith and kin did not think he would be the hero. Nobody in Israel thought David would be the hero. Certainly not his brothers. Even as a young boy, when Samuel came and anointed him to be king, his father already had dismissed him. He was just a runt out there with the sheep. And Jesus, too, for all the 33 years of his life on earth, his brothers and his sisters dismissed him. I don't know what they personally thought about him, but they certainly didn't think he'd be the savior of the world. That's for sure. And so David's choice of weapon, a slingshot, just a few round pebbles, it seems so inadequate 
to fight such a giant. This giant who never lost a battle. This giant who was a champion of the Philistines. This giant against this young man. How those Philistines must have laughed when they saw this skinny young man coming out with a slingshot twirling it around his head. How they must have laughed when they heard Goliath scorning him and mocking him. But they were laughing on the other side of their face ten seconds later when Goliath fell like a great oak and crashed to the ground. Israel had its most unlikely hero and David's victory became their victory. David's faith stilled their fears. His boldness gave them courage and together they routed the Philistines. Jesus defeated the giant of sin and death. And the weapons of his warfare were not carnal, but they were mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. His weapons were the word of God and obedience to the Father. And like David, we share in our champion's victory because Jesus is our victor. Then we can rout our enemies. Paul said in Romans 8 and 2, the law of the law of of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed us from the law of sin and death. We're no longer bound by the law of sin and death. That Goliath has been slain for us by our champion. Just a little baby born on a manger. Just a boy working in a carpenter's shop. Just an itinerant rabbi from Nazareth. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw him and recognized him. Well, Peter did, but that was because the Father had revealed it to him. His family didn't believe it. His countrymen didn't believe it. But like David that day in the Valley of Elah, once he slew Goliath, and once they declared him as a giant slayer, then all Israel recognized him. <laughs> Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And suddenly this young man was head and shoulders above everybody in Israel because he was the hero. And just like Jesus, nobody recognized him, but he slew that giant of sin and death. And on that resurrection morning, when they began to recognize who his was, even his own brethren believed him, him at last. Glory to God. And so today, we face giants, but we're not alone on the battlefield. We have one who has gone before us as our victor. He has won our battles. David says, the battle is the Lord's. Glory, hallelujah. Hmm. 
one whose spirit is within us, one who calms our fears, who gives us courage, who grants us victory. In all these things, we are more than conquerors, Paul said. Glory to God. See, the difference between David and the armies of Israel that day, all they saw was a physical giant, huge, but physical. But David saw beyond that, he saw a spiritual giant that had to be defeated. All they saw was the giant who defied the armies of Israel, but David saw a giant who defied the armies of the living God. And there's a difference. See, when David heard the same threats as they heard, he heard it differently. They felt it directed at them. He felt it directed at God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? This non-covenant Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Hmm. David saw this battle on a different plane altogether. And once David saw that, the odds that were against him turned in his favor. And once we see our battle differently, then the odds turn in our favor. David says the battle's the Lord's. Now we must be careful here. Because not every struggle in life is the devil. Some people have the door creaks as a demon. David fought the lion and the bear and killed them, but he didn't think that that was a spiritual battle. We live in a fallen, broken world, and stuff happens all the time. Sometimes we bring things upon ourselves. All of us are guilty of these failures. But then there are the Goliaths. There are those things that are specifically and definitely orchestrated by the evil one and his minions against us. And whenever we enter into that battle, it's different. And we need different weapons to fight it because it's not a carnal battle, not a normal natural battle. It's the very enemy of our souls that's been coming against us. Paul spoke about that. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And those are the giants that would come against us in various ways. But thank God, we have a victor. We have one who not only defeated our enemy, but has given us weapons for us to defeat him. And the greatest weapon that he's given us is his word. That was the weapon that he used in the great temptations in the wilderness when he was face to face with the evil one. When this prince of this world 
the God of this world. And Jesus faced him head on. And the only thing he used to let us know that this is our chief weapon was the word of God. And Jesus was familiar with it. He was able to take it and turn it into a weapon against the enemy. So no matter what Goliath you may be facing today, no matter how big he is, no matter how long he's been threatening, you can defeat him. Because Christ is our victor. And we fight in his victory. <laughs> the war has already been won. There's skirmishes that we have to deal with, but the war has already been won. He is an already and eternally defeated foe. <laughs> and he knows it. <clears throat> and the day of his eternal punishment is coming soon. And he knows it. But do we know it? Do we know that the greater one lives inside us? <laughs> do, we, do we know that the stronger one is on our side? That we can fight these battles of life and we can win because our champion has already won the war. Glory to God. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, we stop a few moments and we give you thanks that you are a great and wonderful Savior. Amen. We thank you that you have defeated death and hell. We bless you that everything that comes against the child of God, Lord, you have given us an answer. Lord, you have not left us defenseless. You haven't left us as orphans. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your word. You've given us confidence that you are our warrior. Yes, Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. And so whatever we're facing this very day, even our illnesses or sicknesses, our shortages, our difficulties in life. We thank you, Lord, that you are the victor. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, because you are on our side, we rejoice in your victory. And like the children of Israel, when the giant was slain, they chased after those Philistines and they beat them. So we thank you, Lord. We give you glory and honor and praise. We bless you for who you are today. We thank you, Lord, that we're not alone in this battle. We've heard the threats of the evil one. But, Lord, we've heard it a different way because we realize he's coming against the living God. So we give you thanks. 
Thank you for every victory that you've given us. For every one that, Lord, you will give to us. We bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.